0: Hi folks, Chris Boss here from the Chris show dot com, the Chris show dot com. Hey, we're coming here on the good podcast. We certainly appreciate you guys tuning in. Thanks for being here once again. Remember, the Chris Voss show is the family that loves you, but doesn't judge you. Does it get any better than that? I don't know, man. That might be what was that movie with, uh, Nicholson as good as it gets. I don't know. Hey, maybe, maybe that should be the new shirt or the motto on the Chris Foss show, the family that loves you, but doesn't judge you. It's as good as it gets. I don't know. That sounds kind of half-depressing anyway. Thanks for being on the show, guys. Remember, put your arm around your friends, neighbors, relatives. Tell them to sign up, subscribe. Hit that subscribe button on The Chris Foss Show. You can go to iTunes or any place on the Internet, Amazon, et cetera, et cetera. It's everywhere and anywhere, just like the family that loves you. Go to YouTube.com. for Chris Voss. See everything reading, or reviewing over there at Goodreads.com. And also all of our groups on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. See that big LinkedIn newsletter, like 4,000 people. I think it's 4,000 plus people subscribed to that thing. 122,000 people in the big LinkedIn group as well. Go join that. Today we had an amazing author on the show. As always, we just have these amazing authors. Put them in the Google machine. They come up on the uh, system there. And they go, here's an amazing author. And we go, hey, we should invite those folks on the show. Today we have Danielle M. Orsino on the show with us. She's the book of Kingdom Come that uh, is coming out, let's see, May 30th, 2022. This is book four of the computer that's moving very slowly. Let's see if we can get that. It's book four of the Fae birth. <laughs> I to cut that, Fae. Kingdom Come, the birth of the Fae Book 4. Four, which we're going to fix in editing. She's got four of these books out. We'll be talking to her about her amazing book and uh, the series of what she's taking and doing. She is a, she is an amazing author who is a, a fantasy novelist whose lifelong vision to create whimsical realms that her readers can escape to. Her compelling word weaving pays homage to multiple of personal muses from Chris Claremont and George Perez. Both famous comic book writers to Anne Rice and Wonder Woman. Welcome to the show, Daniel. How are you?
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here.
0: There you go. I got flipped between the Kindle and the and the paperback there. They don't have the same data on the paperback. <laughs> so give us your plugs as you know where people can find you on the interwebs.
1: You can always find me on birth of the on Instagram at Birth of the Fay underscore novel. Those are great places to find me. And you can even find me on this new cool app called Bookie Call, kind of like Booty Call for books. And yeah, it's really cool. What you can do is you put in your reader profile what you like, your fantasy, your mystery. And then it comes up with book dating uh, profiles of these books. And then, yeah, you can like, you know, kind of scroll right or left and pick your books. And I think it's like it's an awesome new way to find new readers and connects readers with new books and books that they'll love that maybe they wouldn't normally pick up. You know, everybody's got their thing. Like maybe you're a George R. R. Martin fan or, you know, you like Mary Higgins Clark mysteries. This kind of matches you with what your book profile is. So Bookie Call is available through iOS or Android. And now, uh, Locked Out of Heaven, my first book from the Birth of the Face series is going to be available on it. So I'm really excited to kind of partner with them and see what new readers I can find and bring into the veil.
0: That's pretty awesome. Like a Tinder yeah. for, exactly. like a Tinder for, uh, books. Yeah. So You're going to find the book that you love. I got to get my book on there then. That's pretty, that's pretty brilliant. So let's talk about this new book. It's coming out May 30th, as we mentioned. And what, what, what made you want to write this? And how many books are there going to be in the series? I guess there's four now.
1: There's four now. I don't have a definitive ending per se. I have written all together so far, like in the mix, I have about nine, you know, in editing or in various stages. Uh-huh. But I don't I don't sit there and think, Oh, I'm gonna do fifteen or I'm gonna do twelve. I don't have that planned out right now. I'm just kinda going with the flow because I'm not a classically trained writer. This wasn't something that I was like, oh, I'm definitely gonna sit and do this. It just happened. You
0: know well, you're I'm doing pretty going? good. You got four books uh now, oh That's uh, that's awesome. So let's talk about what's happening in this new book. Give us an overview if you would.
1: In this book, Kingdom Come, I kinda think of it as if Book one was my Star Wars. Book two was my Empire Strikes Back. Things got dark. Book three was my Return of the Jedi from the Ashes, where I gave you a little bit of hope. Kingdom come, I'm going to burn it all down. Uh, the Fae have, you know, had their happy moment where they think the dark and light Fae are going to come together. They're going to unite their courts in the court of the Fae. And everybody's going to live happily ever after. Yeah, it's probably not going to go that way. But we have, we have both sides trying to agree on should they unite. And we have a bunch of other fae that are like, yeah, this probably shouldn't happen. And so we have another, another player entering the monarchy that has decided, I'm going to try to throw a wrench in this whole thing. Mm-hmm. And we're going to see if King Jarbok, who is the leader of the dark fae and Queen Aurora, leader of the light fae, if their love can really stand this whole, this whole overthrowing of power and, mm-hmm. uh, um, what it really means to risk for the one you love
0: the power dynamic is always uh present in in, in everything who are the fays
1: in my world i've taken the fae at the normal celtic background which mm-hmm. i think we all know i have made them angels who some got involved in the power between the power struggle between god and lucifer those were the virtue angels they did not get involved they were sent here on earth to prep it for the their creator's next experiment which was humans and then I have the power brigade angels who were the foot soldiers of the archangels. They actually fought. They were locked out of heaven. They were the shiny kingdom. They don't know why, but the creator closed the gates. So they became the Fae and what we know as the Fey. And the Fey, in my book stands for the Fellowship Ages of Earth. So it's actually okay. an acronym and they become our polytheistic gods and goddesses. So they oh, wow. worship them. Oh, wow. They're Roman, you know, Egyptian, all of that. And they kind of grow with humans. Mm -hmm. And they take on the acronym of the Fae, the Court of Light, the Court of Dark. So they grow alongside humans. Mm -hmm. And we see what it's like when you've lost what you know. So if you were a virtue angel in this case and your job was to protect nature, you no longer had that job. You have to start all over again. If your identity was wrapped up in it, what happens? And do you protect those who you love? or do you get really mad and maybe consolidate power like the dark fae do. And so it's that whole dynamic and that's who the fae are and they're just trying to survive right alongside the humans.
0: So is there a light and dark fae?
1: Yes, there are the light and the dark fae, but they take it as the light fae take it as, "Oh, we're going to bring a new dawn." Mm. That's why they kind of take that name. And the dark fae take it just to be opposite. They're like, "Oh, you're the light and we're the dark." <laughs> they're oh, wow. just like, "Oh, okay, we're just, you know, they're just so mad that they take that opposite out of just, we think you had something to do with why we're locked out. Each side doesn't know. Mm. so They they just go with it.
0: Is his light and dark uh, good and evil?
1: No, that's kind of what's interesting is I don't take it as good or evil. It's just more of how they deal with being locked out. And it's almost like if you've ever watched two friends argue Mm -hmm. and you can see both sides to it, it's how they both handle it. And it's just more of study on point of view Mm. they both they both have the exact same thing happen to them in the sense of the light and dark are both locked out it happens at the exact same time there's no oh there's no warning of it Mm -hmm. but they both process the information totally differently Mm -hmm. and it goes from there
0: so you've got four books in the series and we we should mention those of you who are watching on most of the podcasts will get this on audio, but you won't really want to watch the YouTube video. We have Danielle. You you know you're you're dressed up as one of the characters in the book, correct? Tell us about yes. That.
1: I'm actually dressed up as Queen Aurora. I have my Queen Aurora crown, which was made for me by Crystal Shop Enchanting Earth in Topeka, Kansas. The owner Jamie read the book, the first oh, wow. book, "Walked Out of Heaven," and then contacting me on Instagram. And she was like, she loved the book. She loved the use of crystals. And the fact that the crystals were researched very well contacted me and said, you know, we should do something. And she wound up making the crystal crown, just like Aurora wears with the Angeline oh. disc, the uh quartz points. And now she actually sells the Aurora crown in her store and on her website. Mm. So from there, we just collaborated. And I always cosplayed. So at some point it was like, well, if I'm cosplaying as Wonder Woman and Harley Quinn and going to these cons, I thought. I should really cosplay once as my characters hmm. and see. And it helped me with my writing because kind of like uh, Edna Mole in The Incredibles, I figured out, you know, capes are not a good thing to wear when you're fighting. Um, so it helped me with my writing. No capes, they get pulled. So I kind of started dressing up as my characters. One of my editors, Cleet Barrett Smith, had said, the mark of a, a great fantasy world is to see if it feels lived in. And he's like, I can attest that your world feels lived in because you've obviously been there. So I thought, if I'm going to ask other people to come visit it, dressing up is the least I can do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. And it makes you a wonderful emissary for your books too, as well. I mean.
1: Yeah. It's, it's about brand identification at some point, you know, and brand identity. But at the end of the day, I mean, I, I like dressing up a little bit of sparkle. Never hurt anybody in this day and age.
0: That's true. I mean, the, the, the Comic-Con age, and I've had a lot of friends that go to Comic-Con and they dress up and they do the whole. They do the whole thing. That's just stunning. I mean, the the amount of work that goes into it. I always wanted to go to Comic Con, but they can never get tickets. So much fun! It's so like, so
1: much fun. I like, love it. I, I go to New York Comic Con every year. I've met so many wonderful people. I've gone, like I said, Wonder Woman, Harley Quinn, Catwoman, Poison Ivy, Batgirl. I've I've gone as so many characters. I have a great time, and it's helped me also, like I said, as a writer. You know, dressing up because. I, I get a feel for the character, but even when I'm writing, yeah, it helps me with the costume descriptions. Now I kind of know, you know, that that works, that doesn't work. You know, what is realistic? You know, my my dark fairy are not going to fight in five inch stiletto boots. It's not going to happen.
0: And then, tell us how you kind of grew up and kind of your origin story and kind of what brought you to that point. Evidently, you did some different things as a child: martial arts, nursing career. What were some of the things that, that led you into where you, what you do?
1: It's funny. My dad has an essay from, I think it's second grade where I say I want to be a writer mm-hmm. uh, after I won a, like a little contest, uh a writing contest. But then the following week, I think I said I wanted to be Wonder Woman. So go figure on that. I said, you know, you can't really hold that. But I was, I took martial arts young, you know, 18, which isn't from a standpoint of when kids start. That wasn't all that young, but I wound up competing. And I competed up and down the East Coast, 500 tournaments. I represented Team USA at the WKA World Championships. so I won a silver medal uh, in women's forms. I did the Super Bowl commercial with The Rock for the WWE, mm-hmm. doing martial arts stunts and things like that. I did a lot of fan films for the con circuit, doing martial arts and stunt work. I'm in Ed Parker, Ed Brown's Martial Arts Hall of Fame. I'm in the World Martial Arts Hall of Fame. So I did as much as I could do in martial arts. I love it. I I was trained with a Sipu Vincent Lin, who was in Jackie Chan's Operation Condor. And uh, it was it was great. It's helped me with writing tremendously. After I did that, I figured now that I can beat you up, I better figure out how to heal you. So um, <laughs> I jumped into nursing. You know, that's what everybody does. And uh, I got my LPN with the hopes of going to physician assistant school or nurse practitioning school. Mm-hmm. And while I was getting my degree to finish my prereqs for both programs, because I wasn't sure, I fell into, uh, Lyme disease. I really enjoyed oh, yeah. the research and yeah. did a lot of research in Lyme disease, worked in a Lyme disease clinic. And that's where oh. I met my patient who inspired the birth of the face series. And that's how I wound up writing. It wasn't, oh, wow. I didn't set out to say, Oh, someday I'm going to write a fantasy series. I thought maybe I'd. If I was lucky someday, I'd write a comic book series and I had started penning that years ago, you know, with, with the hopes of one day, maybe, you know, jumping to image or something like that. But I just happened to meet a patient the very first day working at this Lyme disease clinic and we kind of clicked. It was his first day dripping. It was my first day sticking people for IVs. And you know, you never forget your first stick. Let me tell you. And we became friends and he had been dripping for a little over a year. Maybe it was closer to a year and a half. And the Lyme disease specialist that I worked for, people dripped seven days a week, an wow. hour to an hour and a half, two hours. Mm-hmm. And I was hired specifically for the weekends, holidays. And then one day a week, I worked with the doctor side by side for patients. So I was there Christmas, New Year's Eve, Christmas Eve, everything. So like I got to know everybody fairly well, especially this patient. And he had uprooted his life from Pennsylvania to Westchester. Oh, wow. He left his job, everything, because he was was very, very sick. Wow. And so he had finally gone to the doctor and said, look, I got to get back to work. I've got to get back to family, whatever. So the deal they had struck was he would uh, drive five hours, drip on a Wednesday, turn around, go home, go back on Friday, spend the night, drip Friday Saturday, Sunday, Monday morning, go back home.
0: That is intense.
1: He wanted to be cured. I totally get it. I knew it wouldn't last. It lasted three weeks before he was like, look, I can't do this anymore. So I had changed my schedule. So on Wednesdays, I'd be there when he got there uh, so I could kind of keep him company. And he had said, Danny, I can't do it anymore. And I said, well, if you don't, you're going to backslide. and we went back forth. He said, well, do something. Keep me in the chair. So I said, okay, tell me something interesting about yourself that you haven't told me. And He said, well, I was recruited by the CIA out of college. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's kind of cool. All right. Yeah, you know, know cool. give me the details. <clears throat> and I, and he was like, well, I didn't take it. And I'm like, ah, oh, you could have been like secret agent, man. And he's like, nah, it was for the trends and intentions division. He's like the most boring part. He's like, I was just going to like try to find these trends and, you know, analyze this. And I'm like, you should have taken it. We could have found out what was in Roswell. You know, I went down like a conspiracy rabbit hole. Totally went down it. Mm-hmm. talking about the greys and roswell the Loch Ness monster i was there mm-hmm. and we were making some jokes <clears throat> and i i said well you know where lyme disease comes from and he goes plum island and once again down the rabbit hole oh, wow. out of my mouth to this day don't know what made me say it i went no lyme disease comes from the fae and he sits up in the chair and he goes the what I go, you know the fae the fairies they don't like the way we're treating the environment. This is to get back at us. Huh? And he goes, I went, oh, but you know about that is the big CIA guy that was sent here to find out if the really hot redheaded nurse is the one, the brains behind the operation. She's really a fake hybrid. And he looked at me and he, and he kind of winked and he went, oh, huh? yeah, tell me more. And I just started telling him a story. Oh, and i huh? just off the top of my head wove this story and every time he came in I would tell him another little piece and if something happened in the IV room like the, the doctor had this big black Labrador and the dog would come in and I'd be like oh and the king of the Fey had a black dragon I just would tell him a story and I put him in it and wow. I made it up that he was a CIA agent trying to hunt down these Fey hybrids and I would just tell him stories and it was the same it was the birth of the fae and I didn't know I was just telling a story and he sat there and listened well i put him in it thinking and once again, was all i was thinking was i'm going to pa school whatever i gotta do to keep this guy in the chair i like him he's cool we're (laughs) friends and then he stayed and we we so i told him the story we talked and then he kept saying you gotta write this shit down. you gotta write this down. you gotta do this and i was like no dude i'm going to pa school like i'm going i'm going to do dermal fillers and botox (laughs) like i know where the money is honey bunch i'm not you know the universe had another plan for me yeah and that was that and that's how birth of the fae was born i went home and wrote it down and he was my he's still to this day is my biggest cheerleader and that's how the whole thing came about
0: that is freaking awesome man i mean what a beautiful story To come out of something like that where, you know, you know, there's so much tragedy in the world and hopelessness sometimes and, and to to give someone hope and make them want something. And then therein lies the, the the pathway that you find in your story. It's amazing how life works where, you know, there's so many things that we can go into.
1: It was, it wasn't something I ever expected. Mm -hmm. And. You know, it's so funny because like I said, he's, I still talk to the patient to this very day. Every week I talk to him, he's become one of my closest friends and it's, he laughs because he's always like, when is my story coming out? Because the birth of the Fae, those books that have released now are kind of the prequels to his story. Mm -hmm. And he's agent Graham in the next series, birth of a succubus, which is the story he knows. And he's always like, when do I come out? When's my literary hero, you know, part coming? And I'm like, you're coming. Just don't worry you got it and thats he's now the hero in the next series and it's all inspired by him and i would never have sat here thinking i'd be sitting here with a crown on my head talking to you about you know a guy i met a patient i met you know a couple years ago in lyme disease you know that that's just not what i would thought about the thing
0: that's astounding and here you are now Yep. i mean what a great journey though i mean what a great story i mean you know, there's not a lot of people that have books that they write where they, where they, you know, it wasn't the basis for inspiration. They're just like, Hey, you know, send, write a book. <laughs> so I think it's great. And I think it's awesome that you live your story as well. I mean, you're living embodiment. I was just looking over your Instagram and your, your, your Instagram is filled with all sorts of pictures of you. And it kind of brings to life the stories in the, in the book and, and in the characters, I guess.
1: I try to bring them as much to life because I've used so much of my own life as inspiration. You know, my dad, I used his inspiration for one of the characters, Hoggle, who's the metal gnome. That's my father. My uncle is his assistant, Marco, because growing up, my dad, you know, I have a bunch of uncles, but my uncle Ronnie was the only one who could work with my dad in the, in the auto body shop. So, their relationship I used as inspiration. My best friend from high school, Jen, is the inspiration for Lady Serena, Aurora's best friend, Queen Aurora's best friend in the castle, the mermaid. Mm -hmm. And their talks on the beach were exactly our talks. You know, when you're a teenager and you think you know everything, Mm -hmm. having such deep conversations, those conversations are exactly what Jen and I would sit and talk at, you know, the beach in Fawnstock. So, I used so much real life inspiration that I thought, I need to bring the characters to life to show that this really is me. This is not me sitting there, you know, with an outline going part one and, you know, writing it down, like it's so planned. not even close. This was me sitting down, opening up a notebook and I hand wrote the entire, I hand wrote all the books first before I ever got wow. a computer. Wow! I had no idea what I was doing. You know, I really like, I'd like, to, like I said, I'd like to tell you that I sat there like planning it all out. Not even close. When my patient really was like, you have to go write, you know, you have to write this. I went home and was like, okay, this is what I wrote today. And this is what I told him today. And I'd write it down and then I'd go, wait a minute, nobody's going to know who the dark fay are. And I'd open up another journal and say, okay, so the dark fay came from, And then I'd go, wait, all right, nobody knows this. Open up another journal. So I wound up with four books, writing them all at once. Wow. Because I would just jump from page to page and I'm like, oh, but they don't know this. They, all right. They don't know that. And then when I finally got to the computer, that's where the editing started. But it all came from real life. I mean, I picked people that I really knew and had whatever my interpersonal dynamics were. That's what made the page.
0: And I want from That's amazing. That's amazing. What are some other, I know with novels, we can't really tease out too much because uh, we can't give them all away. We can't tell them the ending. What are some other stories that might stick out in the book or uh, things that stick out that uh, we can tease the readers?
1: I have in in this book, in Kingdom Come, and in, in, I have Kingdom Come, Fae has done it, forgive us. Those are the next couple that are coming out. I have little kids that I've never written for. This is the first time that I'm writing for in the mind of a little kid called Indigo. Was I loved writing Indigo. She's one of my favorite characters, and she's about six or seven years old. And the first time I was inspired where she popped into my head, she was singing Cherry Bomb. Uh, and she kind of skipped through my head and I was like, oh, who are you? And it's three in the morning. And she was like, I just remember, like I said, Cherry Bomb was playing and she was like, I'm Indiga, and uh, I'm changing your whole story. And she was skipping rope and I was like, okay. And her story just kind of popped through my head and she's a little troublemaker. And her nickname is Little Big Mouth, which was my nickname as a kid. And I was like, yep you're here it's kind of like eloise in the plaza but only a fae version of her and she is going to then carry into the rest of the series and we'll meet her grown up later and what she does in the human world and the trouble she makes but you know writing in the point of view of kids is very different
0: yeah i imagine so
1: it's also very freeing because they can say whatever the heck they want and get away with it and just smile
0: that's the great thing about being a kid
1: yeah, you can kind of just sit there and be like, you know, you can pretty much tell an adult to go F off and then just smile and be like, I don't know. And, you know, they're just endearing and cute. They're precocious and they get away with it. So I have that going on in the next two books. I have like my whole little face, Scooby gang, trying to solve a mystery, which goes back to my cartoon influences and my comic book influences. Those were all mashed up in the next couple books. And I do tend to take on religion a lot in my books. I've gotten on mm-hmm. two blasphemy lists because of Uh-oh.
0: It. Yeah. <laughs> because religion's part of the fae. I mean, they're right, they thrown out of heaven.
1: Yeah, they are. And some people have taken some prob they have taken some offense to that. But once again, uh-huh. it's a fantasy book. The
0: fantasy book and people are taking offense to it. Wow.
1: Yes. They didn't you know, I think what it is is with book one they saw the title locked out of heaven and thought I was going to be preaching oh. a certain, um, storyline
0: yeah.
1: go that way. They took offense to it. And I made two blasphemy lists with book one. And then some people decided to try to petition the Vatican to pull the book. What? And I was like, you know, luckily I think the Pope was out that day or something. So he didn't answer the call. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I think I, I lucked out. Um, but you know, we'll see in book four. Who knows? Yeah. Equal opportunity offender and defender. So we'll see what happens later.
0: on. It sounds like people just read the title and they're like, well, "I think we know what this is." They never read the book. I um, just they just go off on a tangent.
1: I well, I, I it, at the at the end of book one, there may be a biblical moment that we're all oh. aware of oh. that happens that perhaps the Fae did, and it doesn't happen through godly means mm. that that they actually are the ones who caused it and people had took offense to that uh. i was pulling it away from um god as they saw it uh. in my eyes once again it's just a fantasy book yeah
0: it's just a novel man i mean you I, know you am not saying
1: it happened that yeah. way
0: so it's like you're rewriting Bible number two or whatever version. Yeah.
1: I'm not making this the third <laughs> Testament, you know, yeah. <laughs> nothing, the new newer Testament, the Fay Testament. Uh, So I may have gotten in trouble for that. And oh. all I can say is if you think I was bad in that, wait till you read Kingdom Come. oh.
0: <laughs> all right. We got controversy going on. Controversy going on. So, yeah, the anything more you want to touch on or tease about the book before we go out?
1: I think overall in the books, it's just a matter of these are great escapes. I have a lot going on with, you know, political intrigue. If you're a fan of political intrigue, I have a lot of that. The series should be read as a series. I've had some people say, oh, can I jump in at any book? And to me, that's a personal choice. I don't mind jumping in on series. I've done that, you know, with like Laura K. Hamilton. I've jumped, I jumped in midway in her Anita Blake series. I like doing that. But for some people, I think you should probably read it from the beginning definitely shouldn't read kingdom come on its own it, you know because i'm tying up so many loose ends i would say start from the beginning and jump in but for me the books are more about escapism than anything else and they're mm. not gigantic books because i yeah. think with with fantasy people tend to uh back away from it because they think of game of thrones and when you think of the game of thrones book you think of like that gigantic book and it's yeah. like oh I'm not. my books are all under 250 words, uh 250 pages so yeah. it's like oh okay i'm kind of like your gateway drug into fantasy you can start with me dip your toe in and you're like oh okay i this is not going to take me a whole summer to read this is not my life for the next six months of trying to read this book it's like i can sit and read this understand it yeah it's a little complicated but i can get through this so Like I said, I'm kind of the gateway drug into the fantasy world. If you've always been thinking of getting into it, you can jump in and it's like, this is doable. You know, that's kind of how I've always seen it because sometimes I think fantasy takes itself a little too seriously.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that's good. You know, people like shorter books now. In fact, you know, a lot of the authors I've talked to on the book, they're like, yeah, we wrote 110,000 words for you know, a business book, and they're like, oh, you need to cut it down to 50. People just don't have that much of an attention span. And it's kind of rewarding when you can blaze through a, a cool book and, and, and get it done. You don't feel like, you know, like I've got a couple of books in my audio audible library that are quite long. And, and I, I found that I bounce around them or, <laughs> and finish them. So yeah, something that's a, a quick and easy read is much better, I think.
1: Yeah. That's the uh, Before Horseman, my publishers, they were the ones who were like, you need to take it down because originally book one and two was one book. And they were like, we love you, but no. They were like, it's just new. Nobody needs to spend that much time there. They were like, eventually when you have the audience or when people have read them all, they will want a box set like that where they can be like, oh yeah, this is it because now they'll find the Easter eggs and go back and make these connections. They said, but right now, just get people to start reading and they'll enjoy you more. And they'll enjoy the world more because then they'll they'll kind of want to know, yeah, I finished this or I finished this part of the series. I finished up to here. It, like you said, it's more rewarding. It's more yeah. like they got the sticker, you know? Definitely. And that's and I think that's been probably one of the best lessons I've learned because I was ready to just keep writing and give people like that, you know, Miss of Avalon, put it on the desk where it's like Webster's Dictionary and you're like, I finished this. No, you know, people want something that they can digest and I kind of like being that for them because high fantasy does have a certain stigma of you know being a little bit intimidating and I, i like to be like i said that gateway drug in where i'm like dip your toe in the pool see how you like the water and let me know how it is
0: there you go there you go so let me get your plugs one last time for the books there's four of the books that are out i should mention there's four in the series there's uh locked out of heaven eyes of mercy from the ashes and the new book, Kingdom Come. Give us your plug so people can find you on the Arrows, please.
1: You can find me at birthofthefay.com. dot com. You can find the books anywhere Barnes and Nobles, Amazon. You can find me on the Bookie Call app and Instagram at birthofthefay underscore novel. And check me out at fourhorsemenpublications dot com. And then you know wherever you want to hit me up, hit me up.
0: There you go. Check it out. You can order up the book, uh, Kingdom Come, Birth of the Fae, Book 4, or, yeah, Book of the Fae, Book 4, Danielle Orsino, You can order it up wherever fine books are sold. And uh, that should be out May 30th. Is that correct?
1: Yes, May 30th. And then I have a novella coming out in July that it's awesome. just about the dark fae and their dragons, which there I'm you really know. excited for.
0: You're prolific. You're doing great. So thank you very much for coming on the show, Danielle. We really appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you. And thanks to our audience for tuning in. Go to goodreads.com forward slash Chris Voss. See everything reading and viewing over there. Go to all of our groups on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, all those crazy places those kids are playing. And go to youtube.com forward slash Chris Voss. Thanks for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe. And we'll see you guys next time.